You ready? I'm Lisa. And I'm Kelly. And this is Bad at Boundaries, the podcast where we share personal stories about setting boundaries, healing, and growing into the people we want to be. Get ready to laugh, sigh, and draw the line with us. Super easy first take. There we go. Are we on? Yes, we are. Happy Pride Month, y'all. Uh, just in case you weren't aware of it, this podcast supports the LGBT plus community, and we're always going to be a safe space for anybody who needs it. Uh, before we get going with today's episode, we just want to take a moment to celebrate all the friends and allies who listen to this podcast, but we especially want to send a little extra love to our trans brothers and sisters whose right to live a life of truth and joy is currently under attack in this country and all around the world. Uh, Kelly and I want you guys to know you are seen, you are absolutely adored, and we are proud to walk beside you in the fight for equality. Kelly, where did you draw the line this week? So one place that I draw the line on this topic is just acknowledging that I can only speak from my own lived experiences. So Mm -hmm. as much as in my case, like there's a lot of areas where I want to be a good ally, I also will recognize that. So Mm. there's places where we'll still be learning and we'll we'll try to acknowledge that um, as much as possible so that you know when we're speaking from lived experience and when we're speaking from areas that we've taken time to like learn and read things. Um, and, and sometimes we might just point you in the direction <laughs> of all the really great resources out there from people that um, are much better equipped to speak on topics. Yeah, yeah. And I do want to say too, like I'm, you you know, I'm a queer person. Like yeah. I'm bisexual, pansexual, ho- however you want to phrase it. I don't have an issue with either expression of it but I can also only speak from a place of privilege because it is a privilege to Mm -hmm. pass as a heteronormative person you know what I mean it's like I can only speak from my experience so I definitely don't want to come across as being the authority of the LGBT plus community because I should never be an authority in any situation at all but yeah this is an interesting topic talking about identity and you know, who who you are, what is the fact of your being and like what defines who you are as a person? I know for me, like I was in the closet for most of my life. Like I've only been out and proud in the last three years. Like it hasn't been that long for me. Yeah. And I'm going to throw a cliche out here. There's that phrase that we all hear when we're younger that's if you don't stand for anything, you'll fall for everything. Oh, God. <laughs> um, I don't know if I agree with, honestly. I don't, I don't, I don't because agree with that. Because we've talked about kind of adjacent topics before, but mm. I think it's really great to be able to find a sense of community because being able to talk to people who relate because of shared experiences, shared hobbies, mm. whether it's a shared like identifier is really important. But I also think... You can't define yourself by one part of who you are as a no. person. No, 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 no. You absolutely can't. And like, it, I feel like if you choose, if you want to define yourself as like one part of who you are, it really like devalues how multicolored we are as people in a way. Like we have so many different like things that sparkle and shine in different ways inside of us. It is really hard for me to like confine myself to like just one label, you yeah. know, for context. Um, Lisa <laughs> gave me homework to come up with like three key pieces of identity that I relate to. And I was like, I can't do that. If anyone caught it in one of our previous episodes, we did something similar. And oh, yes. I never answered the question. I didn't realize till we'd actually published the episode because I deflected 
Well, I think I deflected so smoothly. Oh my God. And I was like, wow. I just dilly-dallied my way out oh, of putting a number and on I'm, this. And I'm so type A, too, that I totally noticed while we were recording. But I was like, I feel like, Kelly, like, this is a hard topic for you. <laughs> because, again, you are, like, there's so much to you as a person. It is really hard to, like, narrow it down to just, like, what are the three biggest identifiers that, like, you identify with, yeah. you know? And I... I fall prey to overthinking and analysis paralysis all the time. So a lot of the time, I just will not make a definitive statement until I feel like I've fully researched something. Mm -hmm. And like not just like found a few um, memes on Instagram or graphics that provide confirmation (laughs) bias to whatever I'm thinking or feeling. but actually approaching the issue from reliable sources and consuming content from the other side as well. Oh my god. Well, and here I am laughing because anytime I see anything that's like, you know, one of those astrological posts where it's like Aries, Taurus, Gemini, like this is this is who you are. I could scroll by one of those like little picture memes and it could say anything in the world under the astrology sign Taurus and I'd be like, oh my God, that's so me. Like Yeah. <laughs> and I still do that. And I mm. think who I am and what I like as a person definitely seeps into my personality enough that yeah. the memes and or videos <laughs> or TikToks that people send me are are generally pretty good. But yeah. Do you ever get a little bit sad when someone sends you something and is like, this made me think of you, and you're like, this is the worst thing I've ever watched? No, because I'm such a narcissist. I'm like, yeah, it is me. <laughs> like, it's me right there. Like, And also, I feel like that's part of the people-pleasing, too, is mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I guess it's me. And even no matter how much anxiety or doubt it gives me, I'll be like, well, that must be true. Like, yeah. I just accept everything as, like, no, that's me. That's who I am. Like, yeah. like which I don't think is always, that's, that's something I'm trying to break away from because I feel like the older I get the more the more my sense of identity does get developed and I've really started noticing since I started attempting to not be as bad at boundaries that like being more firm in who I am my values my goals like my truth it's really making me rely more so on myself for that validation and fulfillment. So like in a weird way, I feel like the more sure you become of like who you are and stop letting other people's bullshit like get get in the way, the easier mm-hmm. it is to be like, no, fuck you. This is a boundary, you know? Yeah. And some that makes me think sometimes about having like dinner table conversations with family. Yeah. Where there's some topics where historically. <laughs> yeah. Like, people are like, oh, yeah, you never bring up, like, religion or politics at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. And I think there is some validity in that when it's something that, like, there's no harm in what's going on. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there are different ways that people can live their lives. And a lot of those ways, for all of our unproblematic people out there. Love you. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, keep doing you. But I think people... The the biggest fear that most humans have, it, I think, is change or yeah. being in an unfamiliar environment. Yes. So there, I forgot which example I was using. <laughs> um, oh, so I was on TikTok today, and yeah. I think it was a Gogglebox episode. Are you Gogglebox? So what is that that's. I actually have never watched a full episode. I've only seen these <laughs> anecdotes yes. on, on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Um, but essentially, they will play these videos, and then they have these at-home viewers. Mm-hmm. So they've almost, like, recreated, like, a live student studio audience. Mm-hmm. But it's people who are at home on their own couches and kind of narrating. 
Oh, cool. But the episode I saw, which is very fitting for today's topic, was mm. they um, have a, a, an episode called Next Year. Next Year, and okay. basically they ask people, like, one year from now, like, Ooh. what do you want to be doing? And so this, um, <laughs> this person that they were interviewing said, this time next year, I'll be living as a man. Hell yeah. And then you actually get to see oh, him God. return to the, sh- the show. Yeah. And the audience was very supportive, which was oh, great. But yes. the very impactful moment was the at-home Gogglebox viewers yeah. were mentioning, they were sharing co- some context that we missed because it was a clip. Yeah, yeah. And they were saying that this, this, this man grew up in a very small town oh. in Australia, like oh. rural Australia. Yeah, yeah. And they actually brought his dad out to to join on stage. Oh. Um, and they didn't go into the relationship, but one of the viewers made a comment that said, our generation doesn't have an excuse. Yeah. Basically, like, to be an asshole. No, no. Is what they were getting at. But we need a little bit of patience to learn. And I yeah. thought that that was a good reminder just yeah. because I felt like in 2020... Mm. everyone was so chronically online that mm-hmm. cancel culture was prevalent mm. and we weren't giving people room to explore kind yeah. of like the the spectrum of identity sometimes yeah it is a full spectrum it's everything yeah. a human being could possibly be like mm-hmm. there there's so many little nuances in how you identify and did I ever tell you that I like had never intended to come out ever like, no. I, I fully was like, I don't, I will never come out. So, okay, for those of you who don't know me in real life, um, I grew up in a Christian household, a, a, like, old school Catholic household. And, like, I was also very lucky. My parents were very left-leaning despite being Catholic. And, like, they, they were really good about, like, love your neighbor. And, like, they tried to expose me to, like, different ways of being religious. But I also attended... Catholic school like my whole life we went to church every Sunday until I was about 14 like I was really indoctrinated into the system and like I've mentioned on the podcast before I I knew like I was somewhere on the spectrum from a very young age like I think the first time I had feelings for like a girl I was six maybe seven years old and then I didn't realize like oh, those actually feel quite similar to, like, how I feel about, like, men or boys my age, too. But because I had grown up as, like, a Catholic schoolgirl, I was, like, in my head, I was, like, well, that's wrong. Like, that's so broken of me. And I knew, and, like, obviously, I I do not feel that way right now, but that was my perspective at the time. And because I was also attracted to men, I never, like, felt the need to explore that part of my identity. I was always, like, well, that's something like deficient with me, but I just was like, I never need to look at this little part of myself. And I really compartmentalized it and just kind of shoved it away. Everything kind of changed in high school when I had a friend who has like since transitioned. So, and I don't know their, their new name or anything about who they are now. And I don't want to use their dead name. Okay. Um, but I had a friend back then who Like, we were very, very close, and I always knew it was a little bit different than how I was close with, like, my other friends. And I didn't really know what was, like, why it was different. It just felt different. And I remember, like, getting the same feeling around them as I did, like, with, like, guys I had a crush on. And I was just like, this is really 
like, I don't know what is going on here. And I thought it was just me projecting things. And then at one point I went over to their house and we were like working on something for school. And it was like one of those very distinct moments where it was like, if, you know, you had been a boy at that time, I would have known what, like what was about to happen. Like just that feeling. And when we like, I just got the feeling that they wanted to kiss me. And I didn't know that that was something I could give myself permission to do. Mm. So even though I wanted to kiss them back, I like completely shut it down. I literally like left their house in the middle of doing homework. Like I was just like, no, I can't. It was like all of a sudden all those feelings that were in that little box inside me, it was like all of a sudden they exploded. And I remember like being on the bus ride home being like, oh my God, I can't avoid this anymore. Something's wrong with me. Why do I like both boys and girls? And, like, I had that feeling, and I knew that it was something that, like, I would have to deal with eventually, but it still took me almost, I think, another seven years before I felt, like, brave enough to, like, I've mentioned before, I used to, like, make out with my friends in bars, and, like, if I saw a pretty girl, I would, like, you know, kiss her in the atmosphere of, like, drinking and partying, because then I could always dismiss it as Mm -hmm. oh I was just drunk oh it was for the male gaze yes I was just trying to get a free drink exactly I used to tell myself that I was doing that to engage the uh misogyny inside me and that Mm -hmm. it was a rebellion against like my feminist attitude like oh like drunk me like she's you know for the boys kind of thing like I used to Mm -hmm. joke about that and like looking back back I'm just like I only felt like safe to explore that part of myself when I had like alcohol blinding me basically so I ended up kind of dating women but like not really dating women I've shared I had kind of like a very like tragic love story with a woman which like just didn't work out and it was a really big heartbreak but it wasn't actually until the pandemic that I frankly went crazy enough to be brave enough to finally come out I just like went through this moment where I was just like I've been hiding inside for a year actually no it was 2021 when I, like, formally came out to everybody. I had, like, come out to John in, like, the private or, uh, privacy of our own home. I have an anonymous Twitter. <laughs> I mm-hmm. came out, like, on there. And, like, I kind of slowly started, like, telling the people close to me. And my way to come out, which was hilarious, is I was just, I would just start a story about something and be like, well, you know I buy, right? Like, that was how I told people. I was like, you know this already. And yeah. all of them would say something along the lines of, like, yeah (laughs) like yeah we knew and like Mm -hmm. it wasn't the most elegant way to come out but it was such a I always thought like if I was straight I wouldn't have to come out as straight so like just because I'm bi I have to come out as bi and it was really like a way of negating how actually important that was so when I finally came out which was on Instagram with a photo of me standing against my backyard fence just smiling I think the caption read something like after a year of hiding inside from a deadly disease, I've decided I'm done hiding this thing too. Like, mm-hmm. hey guys, I'm by. And I wrote like this whole little blurb of just like, you know, for years I've seen like kind of two narratives around bisexuality. Either we're like really slutty or we're too indecisive or we're just kidding ourselves or like blah, blah, blah. And I basically like shut down any possibility for somebody to devalue my identity in that way. Mm-hmm. And I think the most powerful thing is after I came out, I had a bunch of people say to me that, like, because you said this in such a public way, now I feel safe enough to come out, too. Sometimes just, I think, being able to see other people's reactions is very cool. 
I'll, I won't identify these people because I mm. didn't ask, but I essentially have two people close to me that are within the same social circle. Yeah. And ended up coming out at the same time by accident. <laughs> where the first person was coming out within this group setting mm-hmm. and the other person kind of started freaking out and their their friends were fully jumping to this first person's defense and were like don't be homophobic like oh this is God. not cool like this is not a good reaction because they were mistaking this fear response yeah for like anger but it's no it's like oh my god and then he <laughs> fully was like well actually i'm gay too yeah and he had just and i'm this is my interpretation yeah. but he had just never imagined a reality where mm-hmm. someone came out in that circle and i was like everyone was like oh yeah that's super totally cool totally fine like, yeah because i think what with all like the coming out movies and narratives mm. we're starting to shift away from it now but mm-hmm. a lot of queer representation was all about the coming out journey yes. it wasn't about like living your life queer yes and it was going through all that fear and everything mm-hmm. where, like, for some people, coming out is not a big deal. Yeah. Well, like, for me, I kind of, like, force it to not be a big deal because mm-hmm. I was, like, it's felt like such a big deal this whole time. It turned into, like, this big, scary part of me that I was I was too scared to even look at. And, like, I also, too, because I had only, like, by the time I felt ready to come out, like, I was already in a long-term relationship with a man, and, and that's John, and I love mm-hmm. him, and I was kind of, like... Well, do I even, like, need to come out? Is there any point in coming out? Because I've already, like, I know, like, John and I are going to be together as long as we're both breathing, frankly. And uh, I was just like, is this even necessary to, like, stir the pot in this way? Mm -hmm. And when I finally did it, the thing that surprised me the most is out of, I think I've had, like, 10 or 12 people come out to me. A large majority of those people have been women who are in heterosexual relationships. And they're like, actually, like, I never thought I would need to come out because it just didn't feel like like I was worthy of being part of the rainbow. And I was like, but you are just because you feel that way. Like, you're still part of that community. And, like, there, there's a lot of privilege that comes with being in a heteronormative relationship when you're queer. But, like, that's why it is so important for you to come out. We need to, like, show lived examples of queer people just having a normal life and being happy Mm -hmm. and having good days and having bad days. And like your whole narrative isn't about the decision to come out. Your whole narrative is about trying to find happiness, just being who you are, Mm -hmm. you know? I had an experience once where I knew one person through a work capacity, like a a job I had as a teenager. Mm -hmm. And then I met their roommate Oh, the good old roommate. In another environment when I was in university. Yeah. And we were, I was friends with the the first partner that I met. Oh. But (laughs) they had, they had decided how much they wanted to share with their work friends. And that's valid too. And they hadn't communicated to their roommate. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. What I knew. (gasps) So... I mean, and I'm not, <laughs> I I oh, no. figured it out pretty easily. Yeah, you have a, an amazing gaydar. I have to compliment you. Great work. <laughs> I think, okay, dilly dally. Yes. I had to be explained by my cousins, like, what gay was when oh. I was 12. <laughs> the because, classic Catholic ex- experience, yeah. can I just say. Oh, and my God. I had married <laughs> gunkles that... 
Kelly. That my parents had just, I think, described as roommates oh. until I got older. And then they just forgot to Oh, my in. God. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and I, I actually brought this up to my mom recently. And she was like, oh, we, th- we just thought you'd figured it out by then. No, I'm a child. <laughs> I was like, oh I was my like God. no, it's like now I'm a lot better at being curious and asking questions. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, sometimes you feel rude asking older people. Like you just don't know what's invasive. Can I and tell you how I came out at my last job? Because mm-hmm. like, okay, my first, I'm I'm not a corporate girly. Mm-hmm. Never going to be a corporate girly. I was in a corporate girly environment. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that like, it would be a big thing. Like, I was kind of just like, listen, it's 2023. You either deal with it or you, like, get the fuck out, basically. And we were at, like, this big shareholder meeting. And it was my second week working there. And and it wasn't a shareholder meeting. It was, like, everybody at the corporate level in a room eating from a buffet and just talking about, like, business strategies. As a queer person, I have a pretty good gaydar. Like, I know what's going on around me. And I was just, like, in that room, and they were talking about how Pride Month was coming up and how they really want to capitalize on Pride Month. And there's nothing more annoying as, like, a queer person who, like, especially, like, a heteronormative passing queer person to listen to a group of straight people talk about you and your lived experience And they Mm -hmm. clearly have no idea what the fuck is going on. So I'm not kidding. There was like a big poster on the wall that might as well have been labeled how to appeal to the rainbow community. Like it was so tactless and so tasteless. And I was just like, no one in this room has any idea that a member of this community is like talking right now. Side note, did you see that Target put out a shirt that says Live, Laugh, Lesbian? (laughs) I I really want that shirt. I can't buy it, but I would love to have it. We don't have Target. Yeah, but uh, anyways, yeah, so I ended up in the middle of this meeting when they were like, how do we appeal to the gays? And I was just like, well, speaking as a member of that community, and I went on this whole long thing where it's basically like, how about you treat these people like normal fucking consumers and also if you're that concerned about it put your money where your mouth is and support like queer athleisure designers like queer members of this outdoor Mm -hmm. community I just like lost my fucking mind and it was I didn't realize I wasn't supposed to come out at work or that like it wouldn't be and it was like fine but the rest of the day I had a lot of people coming up to me and they were like you know you were really brave and I was like listen I just saw a terrible marketing plan and somebody needed to fix it like And I think I think that's what companies get wrong with Pride Month. Yeah. Is they slap a rainbow logo on and And they're like, We're done. Yeah. <laughs> which which is not enough. But then you can't treat a community of people that this one part of their identity defines them. Because no. everyone in well, just everyone in general is so different from each other. Yeah, and also I feel like people forget too, like your identity changes across time. Like mm-hmm. who I, I who I thought I was when I was 12 years old, 16 years old, 20, 25 versus now, I am a whole different human being. Like my experiences, my goals, like everything has changed me on a fundamental level. Like, and that's okay. That's part of Mm -hmm. the experience. It's hard to go through those changes, but... (laughs) I dilly-dallied too hard. Sorry. Sorry. I never finished the roommate story. (laughs) So we... I'll say I worked on a group project with partner number two. Mm. We 
it, and it, it spanned a number of weeks. So mm-hmm. we were pretty close by the end of it. Like we were speaking every day. Mm-hmm. And we went for lunch kind of when everything was wrapping up. Yeah. And they went, they started talking to me and being like, yeah, like you've just been so cool. Like I always felt very comfortable being myself. Yes. And it was only in that moment that I had any confirmation <gasps> oh. that they were not roommates. Oh and my God. I had my suspicions, but... Yeah. Everyone gets to come out on their own timeline. Yes. So I was like, I'm not going to directly ask them. Oh, who the fuck asks these days? Yeah. Like, seriously. I'm like, you can imply for the Mm -hmm. rest of your life if that's what makes you comfortable. Mm -hmm. If if you don't want to have that conversation, we don't need to have it. Maybe there's a few people in my environment where I just have casually (laughs) been careful about pronoun usage. Just just to leave that door open in Mm -hmm. case they want to talk about it. Yeah. But it's it's not up to me. But Mm -hmm. that type of environment happened Mm -hmm. to me like three times in the span of a year. Yeah. Where people would thank me for being cool about their identity and I was like no Mm. like this is bare minimum treatment Mm -hmm. of you as a human being this is just like being respectful also for anybody who doesn't know Kelly in real life like she might as well have the words ally tattooed (laughs) on her forehead like I've never I think I came out to you or like mentioned that I was queer our first conversation like ever that we had together at the gazebo with Annie. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I immediately was like, I know you're somebody who will be chill with this. And I'm not going to have to be like, yeah. I think for me, there are certain social issues where mm. I'm going to make my stance very clear very early. Yeah. One, so if there are people who want to have a conversation, they mm-hmm. know that door is open. But two, mm-hmm. if there are people who have opposing views, they know that Shut the fuck up. Yeah, like, <laughs> like they know that. But also, I th- I think that comes from having an education background as yeah. well. Yes, where it does. We're taught to create an environment where people are comfortable saying hard things. Mm-hmm. We're also taught how to set up an environment mm. where people can be wrong yeah. and you give them space to grow and learn. Mm-hmm. Like there's still lots that I don't know or haven't experienced, but... I have had the privilege of I someone that I just knew from a workout class mm-hmm. um, is a is a is trans and went mm-hmm. through a transition mm-hmm. and for them the easiest way to manage that was to create a private Facebook group mm-hmm. and anyone that was interested in learning about their journey could join that oh that's really cool and they posted updates once a week ish but mm-hmm. on on their own schedule mm-hmm. and it kind of served as a video diary for them. Mm-hmm. They asked to just limit any questions or comments under those updates Mm -hmm. so that they didn't have to deal with individual messages from a bunch of different communication threads. And I thought that was such a good use of or such a good display of setting boundaries. Like, Mm. I am giving you this opportunity and this privilege to hear my journey. Mm -hmm. I might not answer all your questions. Mm -hmm. I might answer the ones that are coming up recent, Mm -hmm. like most often, but just giving being given an opportunity to like passively sit and mm-hmm. listen mm-hmm. and get that direct experience from someone is so cool. Um, I think we talked about that in an episode once where yeah. a lot of the people that fight each other on the internet, if you plopped them down in a room and made them like eat a meal mm-hmm. together <laughs> or just talk to each other face to face, yeah, like those issues aren't as black and white. No, and I feel like. I feel like a lot of people forget, like, 
as much as I have my my own identity mm-hmm. as a queer person and the other labels I like to attribute to myself, and I see those labels as inherently good because I think I'm an inherently good person, you also have another person with their own set of lived experiences and, you know, different levels of indoctrinations into different value systems, mm-hmm. and they also think they're a good person even though their values clash with mine. And I feel like I've, I've definitely been sucked into the, you know, arguing with a stranger online. In fact, I did that this morning. <laughs> but, like, I've definitely been sucked into that, too. But I also think the world would be a better place if we learn to empathize with each other and try mm-hmm. to understand instead of immediately just being like, well, you have this opinion and I have that opinion. So, like, automatically we can never connect with each other. Um, Can I actually tell you, I was telling you about this before we recorded. So I mentioned, I can't remember what episode, but I have a friend who is very far along their spiritual path Mm -hmm. and they, they like had a complete ego death and they are no longer emotionally attached to any framework of this reality. Like as much as they love their family, their friends, their job, whatever, they also are like, so they're living in hindsight mm. in the present? Yes. Kind of? They're very much so like one day I will I will die, all my friends will die, every power structure we have assembled right now will crumble and be replaced by something new. I am dust in the wind and I am just like a force of creation experiencing itself as a human being. Uh, I'm just life running through my veins And when that life ceases to be, I will be released into the universe as nothingness. And, like, it's a very complex concept to wrap your head around. And, frankly, Mm -hmm. it's well above me. But I was... It honestly, like, makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Yes, it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, it's very much so, like, everything here is fleeting. And there is Mm -hmm. no such thing as good or bad. It's just different different bursts of energy and expressions of creative energy experiencing itself from multiple perspectives. I was talking to him. I am, this is so funny. I had a video go viral on TikTok Mm -hmm. that had like, I was featured in it and John was featured in it. Like we were just dicking around at home and people started making fun of the way John and I both looked. And it really hurt my feelings because I was like, why would you like say that? Why would you point out anything about how we look? That's not the point of the video. Yeah, like I was going to say, like, that had nothing to do with the video you posted. nothing to do, but instantly we got, like, a flood of hate and people calling us, like, terrible people. They went onto my profile. They started commenting on other videos. They found the videos where I came out, where I was discussing, like, queer issues on there, and they started attacking. It just, like, really blew up in a way that, like, the video was of John eating a rolled-up piece of turkey with mustard on it. Like, I don't understand how it blew up to me that big. (laughs) Uh, But here we are, almost two million views later. So I got... I was talking to my friend about it because he's usually the person I go to when I like need to decompress and like get some perspective. And he was just like, can I like show you how to like empathize and understand these people? And I was like, okay. And I'm going to walk you through this. I don't expect you to do it. I don't expect anybody to do it. And if you do do it, you, it's going to take a while for you to actually feel the things I'm feeling. Is this the type of thing I listened to a podcast once that referenced meditation? Yeah. If you are driving listening to this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't do, do not this. <laughs> hit pause and do this at home. Yeah. Or, listen, or, listen, don't do it. Yeah. Listen, I, but don't don't commit. I'm right also now. not going to walk you guys through it like it's full meditative practice. But basically, he, he started off by like just getting me to like breathe and really feel my breath, like feel the air as it went in and out of my lungs. 
stop doing it right now, Kelly. You aren't going <laughs> to like it. Stop breathing. But, um, yeah, and he was like, feel the breath going in and out of your lungs. And then he was like, take a moment and just look down at your hands. And he was like, you want to memorize the way the fronts of your hands and the backs of your hands look. And then he was like, still feel your breath and still look at your hands and start trying to feel the blood as it moves through your body. And I was like, okay, cool, witchy, like that. And then he was like, now go past the feeling of your blood. Go past the feeling of your bones and case and skin. And he basically got me to the point where I was feeling all of these different layers of like my body that I don't actively think about. And you will get to a point where you practice this enough. You'll be able to feel like what can only be described as the life energy inside you. And it almost feels like a little warm white ball. And it's kind of tingly. And like it just feels like raw energy, for lack of a better word. And he was like, all that energy you feel in your hands is the same energy that's powering the lights above us. It's the same energy that's in your dog, your cat. It's in all the plants that surround us. It's in the clouds in the sky. It's in the sun. It's in everything in this world. And he was like, basically, the creative energy, the life energy that's in you, it's also in another person. You guys are just same, the same energy expressing itself in two different ways. And mm -hmm. he was like, when you recognize that, like, you are this other person and they are you just having completely different lived experiences and realities. Is it difficult to get mad at yourself for making a mistake? And I was like, fuck, <laughs> like now I can't even be mad at strangers on the internet. Like, are you kidding? Ooh, it was just such an illustration of the connection. Yeah, it, it's again, it's that description does not work for me. I, I was, know. like, trying to process this in my brain, and I was, like, the person I'm the least patient with yep. is myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like a good excuse is, like, when you have, like, a family dinner. And, yes. Uh, in my family, like, the aunties and uncles will all bring different things. Mm -hmm. And I I have a very large family. Oh, God, but yeah. But all of my relatives almost have their own catchphrase. Yeah. That, like, the cousins, like, the younger generation <laughs> Make fun makes of. fun of. Yeah. Like, my one grandma always, like, if we try to compliment her, she'll be like, oh, no, I thought it was a little dry. Yeah. Every time. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter. Like, it could be soup, and she'd yeah. be like, I thought it was a little dry. But, like, the reason why I love the, like, him kind of forcing me to feel, like, the life energy in me is I was like, oh, it's all around. Everything is just, like, it's somebody else doing their best with the same information or different information. You know what I mean? So, like, I'm not mm -hmm. explaining this very well. <laughs> no, I think it's. It just I think made it me feel so much more patient with them. It's it. It kind of made me think of when we talked about how, like, the American dream is not, yeah, not achievable anymore, mm -hmm. and a lot of people will buy into consumerism because mm -hmm. and through no fault of their own because it's constantly thrown at them. Well, it's the only path they see forward for well, them, and people got get caught up in like, with status symbols. Yes. And I am not someone that is, like, brand name motivated. Psychological I, value. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, I have the privilege of being able to, like, look at different options and mm -hmm. choose, like, what's going to be the best value, mm -hmm. last me the longest, and, like, also what fits the best. Mm -hmm. Fast fashion is also great for people if that's what you can afford. But mm -hmm. I think it's the idea that everyone's always closer to the poverty line than mm -hmm. they are to becoming a billionaire. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when people are being 
angry on the internet. Mm -hmm. It's because they don't want to admit that they're actually closer to this group when they Mm -hmm. want to be part of a different group. Well, yeah, even when I was, like, arguing with that person in the comments this morning, it's, like, still saying mean things about me and Mm -hmm. John. This was after I had had that discussion with my friend uh, a few, however long ago, and I was just like, all I can think is, like, the times in my life where I have been so hurt that Mm -hmm. I have resorted to, like, letting that pain lash out in stupid ways, like, whether Mm -hmm. it's online or saying something kind of, like, mean and passing to my mom and I'm just like that that's a hurt person like saying that and I ended up replying to the guy this morning he like basically made a joke about like oh yeah John's a guy who's 30 who has a receding hairline and so do you and it was just like and yet somehow you are the ugliest person here just by pointing that out which I like didn't feel super good about saying but I was just like I need like I just feel the need to let this person know that like You don't Mm -hmm. need to say that. Like, you don't need to say that. You don't need to hurt other people. So, like, I don't know. As much as I want to say, like, down with every person who, you know, doesn't see everything from my perspective, I also am just like, I have to empathize because you don't have my understanding. Just like I don't have understanding of what what in the world would make you believe your values. Mm -hmm. And, like, at the end of the day, things are only going to get better if we find more common ground with each other instead of falling for the division tactics, you know? I'll I'll find the post so that we can share this properly mm. because I don't want to but- butcher this person's name. Yeah. But my favorite trend on Instagram is when creators will get mean comments like that. Yes. And they'll they'll respond in the nicest way possible. Yeah. And try to have a conversation whether that happens in the comment section or mm-hmm. in their DMs. And then they share it afterwards. Yeah. So they're like, this is how I interact with people. And it's kind of a call for their followers to reflect the same energy Mm -hmm. and say like, hey, like, this is how I'm responding to these mean comments. Yeah. Like, I'm not telling you what to do, but this is how it went. Mm -hmm. And there are some some very cool moments that also takes a lot of emotional labor. So I know like they probably don't have capacity to do it every time. Mm -hmm. But... I really enjoyed going through that because I was like, wow, like just taking time to step back Mm -hmm. and have empathy for someone that is Mm -hmm. attacking you for something that is part of your identity that you can't change. You were born that way. Mm -hmm. They are just a much better person than I am sometimes. Yeah. Like I I wish I I wish I had found a way to respond with a little more grace to not only just like what happened this morning, but to like other things in my life, too. Like I feel like. As, as you grow, you get the more experience you get, the more you start to understand mm-hmm. how somebody could be blinded to how much pain and hatred mm-hmm. they're carrying around. And like, you know, and I, I felt like that, too, growing up in Catholic school. Like, I I think the meanest I ever was was when I was questioning my identity the most mm-hmm. because I felt so hurt and so confused and so just like broken on the mm-hmm. inside that I started looking for other people who were displaying that openly and it was like finding any way to like suppress them the way I was suppressing myself and I'm not proud of that that's not a it's not something I feel good about but I also like because I've had that experience I can understand mm-hmm. why somebody else would still be doing that I don't think it's a good thing I hope everybody gets to the point where we can all just love each other but yeah one day And I'm going to scale this back. So, like, this does not have to do with, like, the queer experience. Mm. But I think is a 
on a very small scale relatable, but I think when you're going through growth or when you're learning something new about yourself, when you've chosen to share a new part of yourself with the world, Mm -hmm. I think sometimes there is, unfortunately, like a need to repeat that with people. Yes. So, like, for people that come out, like... It's not just once. It's not just making that post. It's having those continued conversations. It's like every day. Yeah. And that's for something that is like part of who you are and Mm -hmm. who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. And like my only experience with that is even just like changing a habit Mm -hmm. and being like, oh, I'm going to spend less time like scrolling Instagram. Mm -hmm. I want to spend less time on Reels. Yeah. And having to like train friends to like text me. instead of sending me reels and having to repeat that Mm -hmm. is like I get exhausted doing that and then sometimes I just stop watching the reels (laughs) I'm not doing this (laughs) but those moments have nothing to do with like who I am as a person so I think for me like the 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 closest I get is like I am not romantically motivated like I think we've talked about that this Mm. before where it has just never been a priority I don't know if it will ever be a priority so if people are coming to me complaining about their relationships, <laughs> it is very common for me to be like, so like, why are you together? Yeah, like, then actually explain dating? it to me because this sounds terrible. Yeah. Not that I think that like I'm easy to deal with either. Yeah. But I'm like, the idea of the perfect relationship like does not exist. But I also think growing up, it was fed to me so much that yeah. I will accept nothing less. Yes. You know what? But like, that's, that's your truth though Mm -hmm. you are a person who is unwilling to compromise and unwilling to dishonor yourself by not getting everything you want out of a partner and I feel like not a lot of people are strong enough to respect their own boundaries in that way so I don't I don't think this is like a flaw by any Mm -hmm. means I think this is actually a really good thing because like we said in the beginning once you have a strong sense of identity, it is impossible for someone to comprom- like compromise your boundaries or cross a boundary with you at all because you just will not allow it. Yeah. I think also, like, I have to acknowledge that there is, like, some privilege attached to that where mm. some people need the security of a partner. So yeah. what their, their boundaries are going to be very different mm-hmm. from mine because, like, I don't want kids. Like, I've just never been able to picture it. Mm-hmm. And if someone wants kids... There are a lot of single parents out there that do a phenomenal job, but there's also people who want a partner to go through that with. Yeah. So then they're, what they're looking for would be different and what mm. they're willing to compromise on would be very different. Mm. Whereas, like, I'm in a position where, like, I got to go to university and have mm-hmm. an education and that led to a job with financial security. So mm-hmm. I'm like, on paper, I don't need another person for the lifestyle that I want to live yeah like the emotional and romantic side of it is a different story but yeah that is a therapy session <laughs> hey <laughs> well okay I think we should we should get close to drawing the line here we went mm-hmm. on we went on a couple dilly dallies today but really quick before we do that what are is there any do you have any cornerstones of your identity that you would like to share with the audience that feel like the most in your truth Honestly, I did my homework for this. We mentioned at the <laughs> beginning that um, we wanted to do this, but I actually think I'm going to ignore everything I wrote down. Yes, I think I love just it. the one thing that I'm proud of mm. is just like capacity for learning and growth. 
Actually, and I yeah. recognize that, like, the way my brain works, like, society mm-hmm. is set up to work well with that. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, like, what I identify with is my ability to change when needed. Mm-hmm. You're very adaptable, for mm-hmm. sure. For I'm sure. I'm a chameleon. Ooh, next tattoo idea. Chameleon. Yeah. Ooh, oh, that could be pretty. Anyways, um, yeah, no, I love that. And I think that is very true for you. Like, um, It's also very non-committal, but yeah. I think we just covered that. There's some commitment issues yeah. as, a, as a theme in my life. Yeah. Which I, is okay. I think that's fine. I don't think, I think life is kind of more fun when you aren't super committed to things. And when you have, you know, flexibility is another mm-hmm. one I would say for you. And I think that's part of why people think you're so safe and feel safe around you as like an ally is because they know that you're going to be able to roll with the punches and won't be like, what? A gay? Like, yeah, you there's, know. And there's no topic that, as I've mentioned, growing up twins, mm-hmm. you talk about a lot of things and you just don't set those boundaries with each other yeah and then I think the like the positive side of that is Mm -hmm. that people feel comfortable talking about things that they've never maybe had an opportunity to talk about before yeah so maybe sometimes I'm in situations where I'm like oh like maybe this is not the appropriate environment for this info dump Mm -hmm. but also if not now when when truly truly I think for myself I, I did my homework, too, and I wrote <laughs> down three pieces of my identity I identify with the most. And I will say, like, creative is something that, like, I was born like that. Like, I I wrote my first full-length novel when I was about nine years old. Like, I've always been writing. I was that kid who was, like, summer vacation. I wish we still had our old Windows 98 computer because I had written... And don't judge me here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I had written a 330 chapter fan fiction about high school musical. Amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. But Did I, you ever publish it or is it lost? It's lost. It it died on that computer. I would have read that. I know, and it was really good too. I, I think about that fan fiction at least once a week. But I like I've always been a creative person. Like I can pick up pretty much any instrument and learn how to play it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've always been really like painting, drawing, like anything creative. I find that really easy. And I think like most recently, the part of myself that I feel I never thought it would be important to identify with. But now that I'm older and wiser, I realize it is is queer. Mm -hmm. And it's something that like I've only been out for a couple of years, like to everybody. And it's amazed me how drastically my life has changed. I feel like once I slapped that label on myself, it was like, there's no going back. Like, this is who I am, and I'm okay if people don't accept it, because I accept myself, yeah. finally. And honestly, I feel like I I can't take credit for being a good ally, because mm. I just had, I had someone in my life that just pointed out that if someone's willing to share a piece of their identity that is new information to you... yeah. It doesn't mean anything has changed about who they are as a person. They're just feeling comfortable enough to be vulnerable. Mm. And you get like a little bit more of them Mm -hmm. in this relationship. Yeah. So they were like, it it shouldn't change anything. Mm -hmm. And I think having that lesson taught to me before I and having a chance to like let that sink in before Mm -hmm. I had encountered any situations at least knowingly that I needed to apply to it so Mm. I don't know I think the last thing that I want to leave people as a takeaway is like just be a good listener yeah when in doubt just listen 
yeah, you will. I feel like I find so many more answers and just taking a pause and trying to just decipher meaning yeah. than I do sitting around and overthinking things. So if you're and whether that's, you know, trying to figure out who you are, trying to understand other people, you know, just pause sometimes mm-hmm. just you don't have to have it all figured out right away. That would be a big key takeaway as well is. Your identity is always changing. You don't have to come out of the womb knowing exactly who you are. That's kind of the point of life mm-hmm. is to figure it out. So I, if anything, be worried if you aren't changing. If yeah. you aren't growing, that's a sign that something needs to shift. Yeah. You know? And I feel like anyone who's listening is probably on the same mindset. Absolutely. But just in case anyone needed to hear this reminder... <laughs> It's really easy to just not be an asshole. It's actually so much work to be a dick, believe it or not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we gotta we gotta draw the line here. We gotta wrap it up. So yeah. Happy Pride Month, guys. Yeah, happy Pride Month. All right, let's draw the line. Bad at Boundaries is a podcast created by Lisa Hennig and Kelly McGillis. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Bad at Boundaries. Thanks for listening.